As we conclude the six-part series titled Behavior in the House of God, today we are focusing on how behavior in the house of God, worship, involves our attention. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we confess with our lips what you are already aware of, and that is that we are living in a very distracting world. There's so many things and personalities and places that are attempting to get our attention, some of them for good purposes and some of them for not so good purposes. And so we are so very thankful for your sweet Holy Spirit who is always beckoning for our attention to be drawn in your direction and the direction of your Son and our Savior, calling no attention to himself. And so realizing the importance of what we're about to look at from your word today, as we conclude this sermon series, I offer myself afresh and anew as a vessel into your hands. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son. Please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, so that your purpose, your design purpose might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because this pray, pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. First Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, which has been our launching scripture for the series. These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, underscore, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. One of the things that I remember being told when I started elementary school was concerning the importance of being attentive, paying attention. And this is a lesson that would do us well to faithfully and consistently apply when it comes to the house of God and times of worship. Why? Because when there is failure in attentiveness to the house of God, God is robbed. If being attentive in classrooms of our schools is important so that students may graduate prepared upon graduation and be prepared adequately, how much more so is being attentive imperative in the house of God where lessons are being taught that will enable us, that will prepare us for a successful graduation from time into eternity. This was uppermost in the mind and heart of the Apostle Paul as he was in a place of worship and was about to share a message of hope to those who were present in that assembly. 
I read from Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 14. But when Paul and his associates departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, You men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. And that phrase literally means pay attention. Before focusing on being attentive during times of worship, I feel impressed by God's sweet spirit to take note of some areas where being attentive relative to the house of God will bring Him honor and also enhance our worship experience in His house. Not only enhance our worship experience in His house, but also enhance our witness unto others in regard to what we feel and how we feel about His house. When we read in the Old Testament about the sanctuary, whether it is the tabernacle in the wilderness or whether it's the temple in Jerusalem, it's very clear that God placed an emphasis on the appearance, and follow me closely, God placed an emphasis on the appearance of the house of God and the attention that was to be given to the house of God, whether tabernacle or temple. My brothers and sisters, the appearance of God's house here at University Parkway, 70th Adventist Christian Church, should constantly be receiving our attention. Why? Because this is God's house. When church members and visitors drive onto this property, our exterior should testify that this is more than our property. It's God's property. The grass, the hedges, the flowers, the parking lot, the outside lighting, the outside walls, all of the exterior of this property should testify that we are being attentive to them. When church members and visitors walk into this facility, our interior should testify that this is more than our facility. It's God's facility. The flooring, the paint on the walls, the lighting in the sanctuary and in the classrooms, the air conditioning and heating, the very smell inside this place should testify that we are being attentive to them. Making what I call attention adjustments to some of these areas requires finances. And so I want to appeal to each of us to pay attention 
to the tithe and love offerings envelope. Inside, there is a place for you to mark the various givings that you are participating in. And I hope that we will begin paying more attention to our church budget. Because only as we pay attention to our church budget and as we contribute consistently to and through our church budget can some of these attention adjustments be dealt with. However, making attention adjustments to some of these areas does not require giving a monetary treasure. It simply involves what I refer to and call sweat equity. Pastor Dan, what are you talking about? When you and I walk into, when we go into one of our nice restrooms, if there is water on the sink area, we need to wipe it down. We need to dry it off. We need to pay attention to that area. When we're walking the halls, or we come into the sanctuary, or enter a classroom, if there's a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. We need to pay attention. This is God's house. When there is a particular item that you are comfortable in repairing, or you're willing to take on as a project to make sure that it is repaired, talk to our head deacon. Talk to our building committee, and let's get it done. Sweat equity is part of paying attention to God's house. Now, please don't think me to be critical or judgmental, but am I smiling? I don't think I've said that in quite a while. Can you see my teeth? It is time we make some attention adjustments in regard to the fringes of our worship time. What do I mean? When Sabbath school is over, okay, we have two bells for Sabbath school, okay? When that second bell rings, the classes need to dismiss. Am I still smiling? When Sabbath school is over, there is a short period of time for us to take care of the necessities. And then we should move as soon as possible into the sanctuary, not lingering. Am I still smiling? Not lingering in the hallways, but move as soon as possible into the sanctuary for the inspiration and for the announcement periods. You see, the friend's time right before our time of worship should serve to prepare our minds and prepare our hearts for a time of worship. A time of worship as we anticipate being in the audience chamber of Heavenly Father and what will be accomplished 
as we turn our attention in His direction and worship Him in spirit and in truth. What do I mean by attention adjustments in regard to the fringes of our worship time? When worship time concludes and either Pastor Dan or ever who's speaking says amen at the time of the benediction, endeavor to maintain a spirit of reverence as you fellowship together in the sanctuary moving toward the hallways, encouraging one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Also, children will be children, and it is important for us to enable our children to understand that this is a special place. And in this special place, there is to be no running, no playing in the sanctuary because this is not the best way to honor our Heavenly Father. Do you still love me? Now, let's turn our attention to some cases in the book of Acts that refer to behavior concerning attention or our lack of attention to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. In Acts chapter 13, the Apostle Paul and his associates had been preaching. They had been teaching, instructing in the synagogue of the Jews. And when they left that place of worship, they were invited by the Gentiles to share with them the same message, the same words. And I want you to notice how the Gentiles responded to the preaching of God's Word, Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the Word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Now, since it is recorded that they glorified the Word of the Lord and they believed, it must be concluded that they paid attention to what was being shared with them. Will you agree with me on that? They had believed because they behaved And they behaved in such a manner that the Word of God was able to bring forth the faith in their minds and hearts to believe, to accept the message of Jesus the Christ. Another case in the book of Acts that refers to behavior concerning attention or the lack of attention to the preaching and teaching of God's Word is found in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 16, it goes to verse 44, but I've condensed it down. While Paul and Silas, or Paul and Timothy rather, were waiting, uh, Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens, the Bible records that Saul's spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. 
Therefore he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter, howbeit certain men clave or join unto them and believed. Now, as I read those closing words, did you notice the behavior of those who were in attendance? The Word of God says and records that as the Word was being preached by Paul, there were three kinds of responses. Number one, some of those who heard the Word of God mocked. Secondly, some of those who heard the Word of God said that they would hear him again concerning the matter he had spoken. In other words, they put off making a decision. And then thirdly, certain men and women believed. It's amazing to me how two people can be members of the same local church. They can attend the same worship opportunity. They can sit on the same pew. They can sing out of the same hymnal. They can be involved in the same season of prayer opportunity. They can have the same offering plate pass in front of them. They can hear the same message preached are taught from God's Word, and one will leave saying, I did not get a thing out of that worship session today, and another will leave saying, that was one of the most glorious experiences of worship I have had. What's the difference? Attitude. What's the difference? Audience. What's the difference? attention. What's the difference? Behavior in the house of God relative to what is going on during that time of religious gathering. There's another case in the book of Acts that refers to behavior concerning attention or lack of attention to the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Can you see the scene? While the word, now listen to me carefully. While the Word of God was being preached, being preached by an anointed apostle named Paul, a man was misbehaving. He had fallen asleep 
while the apostle Paul was preaching the wonderful words of life, the story of Jesus and his love. So what are some of the ways that we might misbehave in the house of God in respect to being attentive to the teaching and preaching of God's Word? Well, we just read in Acts chapter 20 that one of the ways we can misbehave is sleep. Now, I'm not the smartest kid on the block But I do know that there are certain people who, because of physical conditions and because of medications, have more of a tendency to become drowsy than other people. I know that. But I also know that whether we want to admit it or not, sleeping in God's house during times of religious gathering is not the best behavior. Amen or ouch. I tell people, if you go to sleep when I'm preaching, and I promise I'm, not gonna, I'm, not, I'm never going to preach until midnight, okay? But if you go to sleep when I'm preaching, you fall off the pew and break your neck, as far as I know, I do not have the gift of healing, and we might just have to bury you soon. Are you listening to me? Now, I don't pretend to be a great preacher like the Apostle Paul, but my brothers and sisters, sleeping in God's if you get drowsy, get up and go outside. Vasile smiling. It's time we make some attention adjustments. And I'm sure you could add to the list. Let me, let me share just a few with you. How about passing notes to someone beside you or behind you or in front of you, notes that are not relative to what is being shared in the sermon? Now, my wife is a prolific note-taker. She takes notes on everybody. That's one of the ways that she stays alert and attentive. And I, I like to see people taking notes. But my brothers and sisters, passing notes to others that are not relative to what's going on is not the best of behavior. How about reading other materials beside the Bible? I was doing a revival several years ago, and every night there was one member of that church congregation that brought a magazine to read, Time Magazine, I could go down the list, reading other… Is that the best of behavior in the house of God? How about checking Facebook during church service? How about searching the web? during church service. Is that the best of behavior? How about clipping your fingernails? Pastor Dan, would somebody actually do that? You better believe it. Rebecca and I pastored a church several years ago, and the first elder 
waited until Sabbath morning to always clip his nails during worship service. Is that the best of behavior? And again, I'm sure that you could add to this list. But my brothers and sisters, it's time we start making some attention adjustments. This is God's house, and we are in the audience, as Brother Vernell sing, of one who is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So the question we're going to ask and answer in conclusion today is, why should we be attentive to the teaching and preaching of God's house, uh, God's Word in His house? Very simply, because there is power in the Word of God. I'm going to take that word power, and I'm going to use those five letters. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible records that things happened when God spoke. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. Uh, chapter 11 and verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So number one, God's Word has piercing power. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My brothers and sisters, God's Word will pierce. It will penetrate to the very issue that you and I need to recognize and needs addressed in our lives and living. Next, God's Word has overcoming power. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus answered the devil, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. When Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus overcame through the word and power of God. And if Jesus depended upon the power of God to overcome the enemy, my brothers and sisters, you and I can depend upon the same power of God to overcome the enemy in our relationships with God and with one another. Next, God's Word has wondrous power in two respects. The Word of God will perform the wonder of cleansing. Ephesians 5, verses 24 and 25. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify, and look at this, cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It not only has cleansing power and wonder, but it also has the wonder of healing. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant 
shall be healed. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Next, God's word has eternal power. Matthew 24 and verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Earthly possessions deteriorate, even our own bodies. But my brothers and sisters, the Word of God endures. The Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is everlasting. And then finally, God's Word has reflecting power. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Be ye doers of the Word... And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he looks at himself and goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. God's word reflects. God's word reveals things about us. And God's word enables us to see ourselves as God sees us as we really are. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, there is a testimony given by God about David. And the testimony that God gave about David was that David, and this is God speaking, is a man after mine own heart. Have you ever wondered what would prompt God to make such a declaration about David? I have. Can it be, can it really be that the behavior of David was a prime reason for his favor with God? Can it be that the behavior of David was a prime reason for his success as king of Israel? Listen intently. Psalm 101 and verse 2. This is David speaking and writing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. God heard that. God not only heard that, God knew that that was an attitude in the mind and heart of David. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 5. And David behaved himself wisely. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 14. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. 
and the Lord was with him. My brothers and sisters, just as David's wise behavior resulted in special favor with God and a dynamic testimony to others, this can be true of every one of us as Christians. This can be a reality for every Christian local assembly and church. Why do I say that? Because God has not changed. God's desire has not changed. And God still desires to give testimony of persons and of entire local churches when God can say, this man, this woman, this individual, this local church is an entity after my own heart. Is there anybody else here besides me that would like Father God to say that about you? I believe we all do. And I pray that as a result of this sermon series on behavior in the house of God, there has been affirmed an intense longing, and we as individuals and as a church collective, to adopt the attitude of David. Look at it. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way even in the house of the Lord, so that this local church where I attend will be a fellowship of believers after God's own heart. Father, seed has been planted in these six presentations And now we commit to your sweet Holy Spirit for the watering and the nurture that needs to take place so that from these seeds planted fruit, more fruit, and much fruit will be brought forth to your honor and glory and to our benefit as members of this local church. Because this pray, pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen.